Let me check your mic. Hold on. Oh, you're good. How'd I do? All right. You're good, man. Come on. Well, he's. You don't oh, need no, that. I don't need no, that. You don't I was need... gonna run. Just go up there. Y'all yeah. remember, the remember the grumpy old man movie or what? It... Get them eventually. There we go. Is that all right? God bless you guys. I agree with him. This is uh, the memorial crowd. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble, but you you are part of the rapture crowd. So <laughs> even though for years we went away trout fishing in northern Maine on Memorial Weekend, but uh, very grateful to be here. And because of the food comment, I'm not going to tell you that he's my best friend, too. So, and plus, we're being broadcast, so all the other friends that are, you know, close, it's, you were both done. It's all over. But over 20 years ago, we met, and I blame Dr. Michael Poulin, who's helping out front. Michael, you up there? God bless you if you hear me. He usually, even when he attended our church in Maine, uh, he usually didn't stay in for the sermon anyway, so anyway, just kidding. I'm an equal opportunity offender. God bless you. It's just so good to be here, uh, just to see so many of you. I don't want to start mentioning names, but uh, we exist as a church primarily because have you ever gone swimming and there's a big bridge to jump off and you're scared? And somebody says, do it, man, do it. Well, your pastor uh, encouraged us to go ahead and get going. And if it doesn't work, we're making him take over and fix everything. But it's been going great. It's been the slowest church plant we've ever had. We've been in ministry. It'll be 45 years next month that I preach my first sermon. And... Uh, a lot of wisdom flowed out of that pulpit when I was 18. <laughs> I didn't have a clue, but I grew up in church. And about, well, two months, less than two months later, I married this girl here who still keeps me sane and uh, keeps me balanced. Honey, would you just stand and wave in case um I'll talk about it at the end, but we, we literally exist because of Christ Chapel Macon, or we wouldn't exist. So I'm here to commend this church today because we're one of 12 that you've assisted or started in some capacity, and we didn't have any means to get going. And uh, your pastor kicked my backside and got me going, or I'd still be drifting. And I'm so grateful. We have a core group that loves us and sure appreciates all of you and what God has done. Today, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, it's not my fault about the food thing, by the way. Those of you that are on the uh, taking care of yourselves better, I arrive, and he's got probably $15,000 worth of health bars in our apartment. <laughs> he's, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe 20. I don't know, but quite a few. And he always goes to one of my favorite places, Georgia Bob's, and gets us a big thing of brisket and the chicken salad. That literally will change your entire life, the brisket. 
and last night I have a real problem because he made us go to Grit's Cafe in Forsyth. I'd never been. That literally one meal alone changed my entire life. I had to wear different clothing this morning, but I've been to a lot of steakhouses. It's my favorite. And he, I said, no, no, I'll get a burger. No, get the steak. No, no, okay. I listened to him. And that steak is at a minimum top two steaks I've had anywhere in the country, from New York City to Los Angeles. We had a great time. And I want to learn how to make that fried grits. Uh, what are they called? Cheese grits, like a little French toast stick thing. And I quizzed the waitress, and she gave away the secret. So for $20 for the youth ministry, I'll tell you how to do it after, even though I haven't tried it. But Could I ask a favor uh, of the veterans to just stand for a minute today? Would every veteran please stand, men and women? And would you, would you just stay up? Would you stay up? Would you just remain standing just for a second? Thank you, sir. I just want to address you real quick, every veteran. I think enough of veterans. My dad was captured by Germans in World War II. And French citizens came out and took care of him. He would never tell, him, tell me what they did, but he was an alcoholic back then. He died saved years later. And I'm here because they rescued my dad. But I saw pictures of his plane shot up, sections this big out of the fuselage, coming back across the English Channel. I don't know each of your individual stories, but I know one thing. When you signed up or were drafted, you authorized our great nation to use you in any capacity. You owned nothing. They gave you socks, underwear, boots, t-shirts, uniform, helmet, firearms. They trained you. You guys were willing, for the sake of others, to do what you did. I can't thank you enough. I still thank veterans. I still often buy them a coffee. By the way, my wallet's in the truck, or I'd buy you coffee right now. Ten years ago on a Memorial Weekend, I'm almost done, I was going into a Starbucks in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, headed to a hospital visit to get a coffee, and four young sailors in dress uniform were coming for a parade. And I went up to one young man and I said, went up to all four, I said, I'm not trying to gain any points. You'll never see me again. I'm a local pastor. And I just want you to know I'm not a veteran. I'm a former police officer, but my dad was a veteran, my stepdad, my brother-in-laws, two of them. And I just want you to know I'm grateful for what you did. And what I told them, I tell you right now, thank you for the sake of my children, my nine grandchildren, future generations. Thank you. And I know it's hard for you to receive this, but some of us in this country are not happy with what's going on and the way our military is respected, but some of us are going to stand in the gap for you now and say, you've made the difference in our world. 
our nation, our homes, our schools, our families, and our individual lives. You may be seated today. God bless you. Give them one more hand. Thank you. I gave each of those four sailors, each of them, a free coupon for coffee that a guy in my church used to fund me with to give out to if I saw a teen challenge van or whoever. I said, it's just a small thank you. Well, I came back out from getting my coffee, and one young man followed me to my truck and said, Pastor, he said, where are you a pastor? I said, about 15 minutes up the road. He said, our submarine is being restored at the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard, and so we're down, we're living here temporarily for a few months. I'd like to try your church. Now, you always got to be full of faith, but my thought was, can I give you the original Greek? I said, oh, that's wonderful. Inside, I'm thinking, yeah, if I had one out of a thousand people that said they'd be in our church, we'd buy a new building and, you know, build on, go to five services. And instead, he came. My wife brought these four guys Sunday to our house. We just made an impromptu pasta dinner. Long story short, Ten years later, he's one of my wonderful son-in-laws, and he's produced three kids. It's the best deal I ever got out of a cup of coffee was thanking four guys for serving, and I love to death. He wrote me a beautiful note last night, and God has blessed us. God owes us nothing. I'm sorry, but... I'm just so glad to be here, uh, grateful for what God has done. Every one of you is veterans. You did it, and this ties into the message, by the way. You'll see it in a minute. Every one of you did exactly the words of Jesus in Luke 15, or John 15, 13. He said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. I'm going to bring it one more step. I'm going to ask not just veterans, but I'm going to ask Christian believers. Are there any Christians here today? Good. Thank God. We got a few unsaved to come anyway. That's good. They're going to find the hope. You'll get that later. Call me. Anyway, uh, I'm asking us as believers to do what these veterans did. They stepped across the line, they signed their name, said, anything you want to do with me, anywhere you want me to go, anything you want me to give up, I'll leave family, I'll leave everything, I'll go to Germany, I'll go to Vietnam, I'll go to China, I'll be stationed in Japan, I'll go wherever, I'll go to, I'll even go to Fort Benning, Georgia. I'll go wherever you want. I'm asking us as believers to step across the line and say, Father, you saved me. I was a mess. For some of my junk, it took years for you to fix and to change me. But now I'm stepping over the line and offering myself to you that you can use me to reach others. And that's our message today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to Luke chapter 4. I'm, I grew up in church since 5, and I'm still stuck in King James 
you'll have to forgive me. I don't believe it's the only way, uh, the only translation, but that's how my memory comes back. This is fresh. I've been working on it a couple of weeks, and it's burning in my heart. Father, I ask you to cause this word to come alive. It's just words. You made it clear to us that it's the foolishness of preaching. I'm just a man standing here with my own failures and faults and weakness. God, keep me from rambling. Keep me from struggling. We're reminded of Zechariah 4, 6, that it's not by might nor by power, but by your precious Holy Spirit. Speak to every mind and heart. Open our minds and hearts to receive today and mind to deliver this in the assignment you've given me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're talking from Luke chapter 4, verse 33. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Or let's back up to uh, uh, Luke 4, verse 42. When it was day, he departed into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him. Now, that's 42. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting a, I'm getting a glare. I've got to stop crying so I can see better. Uh, verse 32. Uh, Jesus had been tempted the 40 days in the wilderness, and the devil offered him everything. And when he came back, after his temptation in the wilderness, he read from the book of Isaiah and talked about what he would be doing, such as set at liberty them that are bound. And he started his ministry by reading that. And in verse 32, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And by the way, that power comes from the Holy Spirit. We need nothing else. We need to prepare and do our best, but we rely on and lean on and lay at the feet of the Spirit of God. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art. Thou art the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and set him free and worked. And now jump down to verse 42. When it was day, he, he, he did a lot of great things right there. And then in verse 42, when it was day, he departed and he went off into a desert place. And the people sought him and came to him and stayed with him that he would not depart from them. You know, we want the same. Keep your finger right there. We don't want it to change. He's here doing miracle after miracle, and then he goes apart into a desert place, and they come after him saying, hey, don't go anywhere, please. We like it just like it is. Anybody? We, we don't want you doing anything different, God. And uh, in verse 43, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. So he's been tempted by the devil. He comes out with power and full victory. He reads from Isaiah. He talks about what he's going to be doing, and then he just does that. He begins to heal and deliver and set free. And then 
as the Father directs, we all need time alone. And he goes off to a desert place, and they're chasing him down, saying, we don't want you leaving, sir. We like what we see. But that's not how God operates. God does not operate like a swamp. He operates like a flowing, living river. Come on, help me out with some amens this morning. Listen, uh, he's, he's got a plan that is thriving, living, and vibrant. And that plan, as he said here in verse 44, verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for there I am sent. If you've crossed the line and said, Father, use me, he wants to use you for more than just your own family. He wants to use you for your, even your neighbors, the one you're not thrilled with. I got a few of those, too, that I'm trying to reach. Gave some free groceries. Uh, this is on video, but I think the guy's struggling with producing products that aren't good for people. And... Uh, he uh, brought the groceries back, threw them in my driveway, and uh, used a few words that I haven't heard uh, for a while. And I said, man, I'm sorry. We're just trying to help you. I'm not poor, blankety-blank, this and that, throwing. Look, it's okay. It's okay. We just want to help you. I don't need any help. Okay. I'm praying he's the first one that gets saved on our street, and I'm believing God for that. God is stirring us up. He said in Luke 9, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Luke 9, verse 23. In Luke 9, here's the pattern of Jesus. And he said to them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. A cross is not something you're going to carry and go wherever you want. You're going to follow what God has. A cross is a burden and a challenge. It's going to move you. It's going to bring you to death to self. Thank you for those amens. Come on. He's, he's, uh, he's saying, whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Look at this thing. Whoever will save his life shall lose it, verse 24. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. God plans for us to empty ourselves for the sake of the kingdom of God. Somebody reached you. Somebody reached me. Somebody reached your pastor. Somebody reached every one of us in here with a precious gospel message. My, my dad, like I said, had a problem uh, with alcohol. <laughs> And I won't comment on it because I, I I've never touched a drop. I saw enough in my own home. And he left when I was five. Years later, remember, fast forward, he got saved. I baptized him in water and he attended our church. And we'll be together again someday forever. But daddy left. We had nothing. My, there, there was no child support, nothing back in the early 60s. And my mother was raising me and my sister and taking care of my grandmother, who was a widow that lived with us, and, and uh, 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 to our house came our pastor's wife. We were new to that community, just a little budget house, needed all kinds of work. 
and my mother worked 7 to 3 at a laundromat and 3 to 11 at a shoe factory 20 minutes away. She did that so we could survive. I'll never forget what she did. And I never heard her complain about feeding us, clothing us, taking care of us. I still have a couple of toys from when I was a kid. We went to, remember, remember top value stamps and green stamps? We went to a place, she wanted a set of Mediterranean candles. I was maybe eight or nine at that time, and I wanted a Tonka truck. Guess what we came home with? That's how mama was. She took care of me. And yet we had nothing. And my pastor's wife showed up with whoopie pies, chocolate pastries, and said, just want to welcome you to the community. Uh, have you considered going to church? We'd love to show you our church. Immediately we went three quarters of a mile down the road. We met the church. We met her. We met her sister. And we've been going to church ever since. We stayed in church. Somebody reached us. And at 13, another dear friend, Bishop Erlen Bucher, ran a youth camp. It was very primitive, nothing special. No showers in August in New Hampshire. Hello? No swimming pool. No sandy beach. If you, if you could get to first base, it was literally a grade like this to get up to first. Once you got to first, you came across. Between second and third, it was downhill, and then it was level between third and home. It was nothing special. But that first night, the very first night, at age 13, back when I had no idea the spirit of the prophet was subject to the prophet, I didn't know any of this stuff. I let all things be done decently and in order. I went forward to the altar. They laid hands on me, and I began to speak in another tongue. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. My wife was at the same youth camp. I'm convinced that because this couple reached out and did this youth camp, that it changed my entire life. Because they crossed the line and said, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm busy, but in the middle of the summer, I'll go serve these kids. I'll set up a youth camp. We only had a handful of kids, maybe 50, but it changed our lives. I'm asking everybody here today to step over the line and think of others. And think of others and what God could use you for in the same way that you let him use you for us to found this church and to get this church going. Listen, we, we become so stale in habitual behavior. I like the same seat at home. I like my recliner. I, anybody? We like the same. I like it at the same angle. My wife will change the angle. When she's not out there, I'll move it back. I like, I like to see the fire and out the window and see the driveway, anybody coming in. And uh, that's all I do is sit in that recliner all day. No, just kidding. Anyway, but I love it, man. I, I love it. I like my recliner. When guests come or we have the Bible study at home, anybody can set it. I don't say, no, that's mine. Get out of there. I'm your pastor. I want some respect. That's mine. I got that used. I don't want you ruining it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I like this. I like to park my truck. I always like to back my truck in. Since being a police officer, in late 80s, mid 90s, and I learned that most accidents occur backing. I'll go in to say a Walmart. I'm not going to be the guy that squeezes in at a bad angle, whatever. 
I'll go five, ten spaces further, and I'll drive through the first space and out to the end of the second space, so when I get in, I can just drive out and not have to worry about it, because we learn most accidents in these parking lots occur by two or three people all backing into each other simultaneously. If you've been there, come to the altar after. I'll lay hands on you and pray for it. So, I, so, if, so if somebody's using my truck, like my wife or kids, whatever, and it's parked face in, if you see me out here with my truck face in, you know it's an emergency. I, I'm addicted. I like sameness. I like, I like to work in, in when we're building, doing our antique stuff and farm tables and all that. I like to be just in a T-shirt, sweats, and sneakers. Uh, needless to say, I, lose, I, I ruin a lot of good clothes because I'll go to the gym in the morning. Yeah, I know. Trust me on it. I haven't lately. But I'll come home and I'll go right to work. I hate to create more laundry since I have to do it all. No, just kidding. Anyway, she loves, she spoiled me. Listen, anybody here embraces the same seats? Man, as a teenager, we came in once and we sat down in the front uh, about where Diane is. And in the back came about a 300-year-old couple that had money and they ran things, <laughs> and uh, they're yelling from the back. The wife said, those kids are in our seats. So we got up and moved, you know what I'm saying? You realize that could have driven these precious teenagers, us being two of them, out of the church. We've got we to be free with all that stuff. We like our same seats. I like to be down front at a conference or here because I, I get distracted. As kids, we learned mine, mine, mine. That's mine. Most fights with our grandkids occur when, like these three young boys, six, four, and two, are fighting over the word mine. Come on, you know you've been there. Listen, it's hard for me to make a move over the line when God's calling me. We had a building. We bought the first Ford dealership in the state of Maine about 20 years ago and remodeled it and survived two floods. I left my sweat in that building. I did most of the remodeling. I, uh, guys would show up about carpet, whatever. We need to speak to the pastor. I'm a wreck. I would say, yeah, I am. I'm covered in whatever. Dirt, mud, whatever. We redid that whole building on the river. Pastor John has preached there a number of times. And uh, by the way, you were their favorite speaker. They, and they keep telling me that. Like Brian Smith and others, they say, we loved his teaching. We love it. And, and they still listen to you on Christ Chapel Online here. And uh, so anyway, we did all that stuff. And I buried my dad from there. I buried my mom from there. And for three years, God asked me to release it. Remember how we're talking about others? I didn't want to release it. Anybody with me? Come on. I like the same. I, and, and so I finally did. I released it to my son and nephew. They joined up with another pastor. I just visited him in Florida last week. He had me address his staff, and I commended them for their flexibility and their willingness to serve others. And they now run nine locations all over the East Coast simply because we released that and let God use it and use them for his glory. I didn't like the transition. Come on. 
That was my sacred location. I can tell you what happened everywhere. I can tell you the night I put the stairs into the upstairs sanctuary at 2 o'clock in the morning. I finished that job. There's a picture of me standing up there. I can take you to the kitchen where my wife and I painted all night so it would be ready for the soup kitchen the next day. And my barber across the street, we were at downtown location, said, Al, I don't know why you don't weigh 90 pounds. You're going all the time. I said, me either. And I said, she slows me down. And I had a shaved head then as a pledge for the mortgage. She took a roller with white paint and rolled it right up my head. And he's laughing. Uh, I'm very angry. No, I'm laughing. We, we had fun doing these things. And yet God calls us to be willing to go further when he calls us to reach others. There are more people with needs. Luke 9. Look at Luke 9 quickly. Quickly, Luke 9. In Luke 9, uh, they're, uh, they're being blessed. In Luke 9, verse 28, it says, It came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James. Imagine that. He called these three guys with him, three disciples, went up a mountain to pray. Now picture this. As he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. How many know I'd be freaked out if I'd seen that? Anybody? Come on. And it was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there, now, now add to the mix. Add to the mix. Unbelievable. Behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, picture this, middle of the night, they wake up and they saw his glory. And two men that stood with him. So who did they see? Moses and Elias. Come on. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let's just make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. Wow, man. And did they stay there? No, they stayed fluid. They let God move their seats. They let God changed them, and they were just early on in the change that God was going to use in their lives because Jesus always said, there are others. Everybody say others. Others, 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 others. Listen, 1 John 2.17 says, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. All the stuff that we clamor for, labor for, struggle to attain, to build, to do all these things, there's no end to it. How many know that? We have a great house, but we're always doing something. And when I go back, I've got to clear a bunch of trees. We're trying to add, we do want to learn about cows. We'd like to get some cows, but I don't have much room because there's a 33-acre hill that was an old granite mine. And so you got a lot of work to do. You could get one cow in on one leg maybe right now. i got to do some work there. But listen, uh, I'm not bringing any of that with me. 
None of the vehicles I've owned. None of the clothing I've worn. It's not going with me. It's, we've got to be like the man before Jesus rode into Jerusalem. The disciples went to him and said, the master needs your cult. And he let them take the cult. There was some conversation between this man and God. There had to have been to release his cult and say, it's yours, take it. If the master needs it, can I ask us today, is there anything in your life that you wouldn't release if the master said, I want it? I think I, oh, two of us. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, is there anything you would release? Yeah. And he's asking us to step over the line like our veterans did and say, others, we've got to protect this nation. We've got to, we've got to do the will that we've been called to do. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Others, 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 others. Our tendency is self-comfort, but God sees others. God sees others. God's vision and plan for our churches, our ministries, our lives is others. Luke 19, 10 said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Look at Luke 15. We don't have time, but you see the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And God is looking, seeking, stretching, reaching, listening, caring. He's waiting for us to make a move in his direction, and he's trying to use us to reach others. Galatians 6 verse 2 reminds us as Christians, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You guys have done that now for 12 different Christ chapels. How many hundreds of offerings have been taken for other churches that didn't do a thing for you in the natural? But you, you took care of places from Warner Robins to Galax to now Maine, Bangor, Maine in a theater. Uh, all these other locations. Was it Kenya? Is another one. Zebulon. And all, all, how many of you were here, have been here for most of that? And, and somebody needed a sound system once, Zebulon or something, a few years ago. And you just buy it and get them going. We don't need anything, by the way. I'm not, no, we've got a sound system. Thank you. But I'm just saying that's how you guys have responded. When there's a need, when there's an issue, you've been fluid. You've been saying, okay, I'm sitting here now. I'll sit over here now. I'll do whatever, wherever. Listen, uh, he's looking for, to use us to reach others. I don't want to go to heaven today. Now, if I die, I want to go to heaven today. But uh, I have a vision for others. There's more people. <laughs> there are more causes, more issues. I want to get a soup kitchen and food pantry going again. And a youth ministry. We used to have over 100 teenagers every Thursday night while we had our, our midweek service and my sister-in-law, my late sister-in-law, uh, she would cook them a meal. The kids would come in, uh, latchkey kids after the bus kids, and feed them. And then they'd play games, and then, and then they'd get a lesson. And, and the thing to remember is when we do serve others, it says in Galatians 6, 7 through 10, that we, we uh, reap what we sow. 
Be not deceived. God is not mocked. That's whoever we soweth, that shall we also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. Others, 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 we're sowing, we're sowing, we're sowing, we're sowing. You guys, uh, we've known you 20 years. You're always doing something. This is a vibrant, a thriving church, a living church. You're always reaching out. You're encouraging and touching lives, and I'm here to commend you for that. I see a church that has others in mind as number one over your own interests and needs. Boy, it's quiet here. Am I okay? I'm all right. I'm not in trouble. Is there a trap door here that'll open if I do something wrong? Listen, Matthew 5, our living Savior, has a vibrant living plan for his church. He said, we're salt and light. I don't want to just become a light, Jesus said, and set it under a bushel. I'm saved. I'm free. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not sleeping around. I'm not doing anything. I'm living for God. I read my Bible every day. I pray every morning before I leave the house. I pray throughout the day when a need arises. Thank God for that. And so I'm just going to sit here and not tell anybody. I'm going to stop speaking in his name because sometimes it's hard. But that's not us. He said, don't hide your light under a bushel. Some of us need to speak up at work. And if you tell somebody you're a Christian, they could be looking, but don't be surprised if they say, man, we've worked together five years. I had no idea. It's tight, but it's right. We're looking for others. Glow, baby, glow. Don't hide your light. Don't do it, man. Don't lose your salt. He said we need to keep the saltiness to our salt or we're good for nothing. And know that he'll... He'll upset our plans. He'll direct us. We were driving down the other day. We were going to stay with a friend in Maryland, but found out he was working the next day. He's a pastor friend, and he was serving the needy, and we were running behind anyway. So we said, oh, just checking. God bless you. Love you. I know he would have put us up overnight, but I don't want to put somebody out. You know what I'm saying? Except John and Kelly, I, I do that to them. But anyway... Um, so we drove to another friend. I called him. I said, hey, you guys home? He's in North Carolina. We're staying with him tonight, Lord willing. He said, no, I'm in Kentucky. I bought 160 acres. I'm here with heavy equipment getting it ready for deer season. Well, I'm not going to disturb that because he's one of my dear friends too, and I bet I'll get to hunt Kentucky for the first time in my life. By the way, there was a doe behind your garage this morning. Uh, anyway... Still there, by the way, still there. Listen, uh, so we started for Myrtle Beach. Well, we'll get, we're just going to stay on the ocean. And we start calling, and my son's checking the Internet, and it's like two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500 a night? We haven't been there for 20-some years. What do you get with it? I said, what do I get, a hip replacement and a 75-inch TV for 400 a night? I get a car to bring home? What's going on? Listen, so we got closer and well, we'll try some little ratty place, whatever. We'll try it. And suddenly I'm seeing hundreds and hundreds of bikers. It's bike week last week. Okay, I'm not against bike week. I used to go to it. I used to do outreach, give out Bibles, had a Harley, all that. I was not in the mood for noise and stuff zipping out of traffic. 
So we start down. I said, well, we'll head towards Savannah. We get a message from a friend in Michigan saying, hey, I'm house-sitting for a friend. Do you know anybody near Savannah, Georgia? I said, we looked at each other like, yeah, we're, we're thinking of going there. A friend of theirs, Christians, had gone there, and uh, the wife had a, a class to teach for a finance conference, and the husband's battling uh, pancreatic cancer, and he had a blood clot in his heart on the plane. He went with her just to watch over her while she's in Savannah, and we said, look, we can't be there. We're about three and a half hours, but we'll come. We skipped dinner, everything, because immediately I thought of what God had been talking to me about others. And so we start driving. We hit every obstacle. We got there. We only got about 10 or 15 minutes with him. He was dismissed. He got better. And on the phone, it sounded like he was leaving earth. And uh, still pray for them. They got a lot happening physically. But they were so impressed. Why would you do that? I said, because I'm a pastor. And above that, I'm a Christian. And you're here alone, and you have nobody, and we know what that's like. So we drove. Did you drive three and a half hours? No. Yeah, but that's okay. We're probably going to our sons in Florida. So long story short, we didn't even eat dinner till midnight at a McDonald's drive-thru, which I cannot vouch for, by the way. The order was wrong. We ate it anyway. That's how I got off track. Anyway, uh, anyway long story short, are we living like that for others? I know your pastor. If we needed him in Maine next week, I know he would come. In fact, I'm going to put you on the spot. No, just kidding. Anyway, how many know what I'm saying? Do you know people like that in this church? That when you need something, you call them, they're there. You, they've got your back. They don't just say it. Most people that say, I've got your back, uh, they don't have your back. But just know this, that God is calling us to others. Uh, there, and, and there are changes. It wasn't always with a microphone. I just went through seven years where I hardly preached. I used to preach up to ten times a week. And, uh, and it was a tough season. But God said, just wait. And your pastor encouraged me, encouraged us to get going. There are times where Jesus got up and said, hey, I've got to go through Samaria. Remember that in John 4? He said, I must needs go through Samaria. And they went there, and a woman got saved, and the whole village came out to hear him. We can't figure God out. We can't put him in a box. I'm almost done. But listen, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are wiser than ours. He said in Matthew 28, 19, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we choose as Christians to hold loosely to our things. We're not clinging or possessive. We refuse to hoard. We keep a sharp vision. We listen to God. Every morning we pray. We prayed as we left your pastor's house this morning. I pray, then she prays, and we pray, God, order our steps. As pastor said earlier, it's not he suggests our steps. He orders them. Are we willing to step over the line into his ordered steps? because great things will come out of it. Christ Chapel, Macon, you've began, what, 28 years ago, and you've stayed fluid, you've stayed open, and you as believers reaching out to one another, taking care of others, 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 and we're here simply to thank you. We don't need anything, and 
It's all come into place because of you guys and all that you've done. We need nothing. God is meeting every need. You know what our rent is? You'll be upset. It's $100 a week for a theater. A hundred. I was with my son last Sunday. They're running a school, and it costs him close to 2000 a week for that facility. Every week for rent. He's, we're renting a theater. They said, how about 100 bucks?" Yeah, I think we can do it. <laughs> One week last summer, the offering was like 115 or 98 or something. We had to redo our tithe check to be more. <laughs> but, <coughs> excuse me, anyway. No, I don't smoke, by the way, sorry. Uh, I just want to thank you. Church is happening. We have anybody from a widow pastor's wife, 82. She walks a mile a day. She's a ball of fire, dear old Pentecostal lady. Spent years in missions work, and she supports us. One morning, she and another lady in her 80s showed up and said, can we get, can we get your name, Pastor? They visited twice. I said, uh, sorry, can't give it out. They said, oh, government secret? I said, yeah, it's government. They're laughing like two teenagers. And uh, she said, because we're making this our home church. And we're just so grateful for what God is doing. Thank you for your prayers. We pray for you every day. I don't have my wallet on me. It's in the truck. By the way, the truck's locked. Lance, don't get any ideas. Anyway, just kidding. Um, long story short, I, when I'm on the road, I bring a list. So many of you that support Christ Chapel, Maine, through Christ Chapel, Macon. We keep a list on my counter at home every morning I pray for you and on this trip I bring it in my wallet and pray for you every morning I did this morning we are so grateful pastor I would not even be pastoring right now without you I wouldn't have a house right now without you we 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 there's nothing there's nothing I can give you to thank you there's nothing I can say just keep doing for others let's look for church 13 14 15 who knows what God has next God bless you, Pastor. I'd like to pray if there's anybody here that does, dares say, I, I want to step over the line. Can, can we be honest and, and, and really transparent? I came here to preach about others. I came here to commend you. But I also believe there's some people that have been wrestling with releasing things to God and stepping over that line and serving others. Maybe it's children's ministry. Maybe it's prayer ministry. Whatever it is. Anybody here that would say, pray for me, Pastor. Would you slip your hand up that you wrestle with it? Thank you. There's two hands. Three, four. Would, would you guys come? Pastor said it was okay to pray for you. Would you join me here? I want, I want us to pray for you. If you, you've been wrestling with something, oh, that's kind of out of my comfort zone. Good. We grow that way. Could we come? Could we come? And could we pray with you? If you're willing to say God spoke to you about others, would you come quickly? I know it was quiet here today. I know I struggled today. But I pray by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it touched your heart and spirit. And we're going to pray for you. And, and there's a song they're going to play called, I'm Yours, Lord. Sing it if you mean it. It says, everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. Don't sing it unless you mean it. Because he'll bring you through everything. He'll bring you through everything. In the name of Jesus, could we offer ourselves to him? Lord, I'm yours. 
everything I've got. In Jesus' name, it's an upbeat song, but if we could stand and, and uh, if you know it, go ahead and sing it. But if you are willing to make that commitment today, would you cross the line and sing, I'm yours, Lord. If you mean it, pray it. Church family, would you give me about 90 seconds just to talk to you? This resonated so much in my heart, uh, this journey with the Lord, with Christ Chapel. And, you know, uh, oh, many years ago, six, seven years ago, we listed our church for sale. And boy, I caught the, some blowback. Uh, you know, I, what? Why? I can't believe. Can You've watched this whole journey. Let me just tell you. For the first time in a long time, we've got some interest. I've never done one bit of advertising. No marketing. And Lord, if this is what you want us to do, just want you to know it's your church. I see great economic distress coming to our nation with options that we have. Only the Lord knows. And we're not pushing anything. There's a chance we could sell one portion of our building, be completely debt-free, and put in two floors of educational space on the other side. There's the sale of it outright. You know what's in my heart to do? If we sold this great facility and rented or built, we could have five to seven million dollars to help other churches and other people. Imagine missionaries we're ready to go in the field and all we need is 100,000. I said, that's all you need. Go give them Jesus. Here you go. 
where y'all meet. I don't know. I didn't know we were coming here. I didn't know we were going to Second Baptist. I didn't know. And I just want you to know that in your pastor's heart, that's, that's what's on the table for me. I, I, I don't, when the trumpet goes off, I can't give him this building, but I can give him others. And we would have enough resources for, you know, God's going to take care of us. He always has. When we bought this building, we moved in. And the first thing I said, I said, don't get comfortable. He gave us this equity for others. And we've been here a long time. What, 15 years? 14, 17, 26? I don't know. It's been a long time. All blurs together. But I want you to know that's in my heart. What if, what if in the days to come, dark times come like you think? And we are a people renting a facility. And we have, for every million dollars, $50,000 a year interest coming in. So just hypothetically, what if you have $5 million and you have $250,000 interest coming in plus the asset to facilitate the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world in the last hour? The last 30 seconds. I don't want to do that. I don't want to build. I don't want to relocate. I, I got an office up there with my own air conditioner. I'm good. Well, I'm got sports down. Good. But I'm determined for this. When he comes, I want to hand him people. And Lord, if you want us to stay here, we'll stay here till you come. We are good. But this ain't about what John wants or what we want or what's best or comfortable for us. I want you to get your highest yield out of our life, oh Lord. And may Christ's chapel shout the fame of the Son of God. Lord, we did this a couple years ago with Navicent when we had the $7.5 million cash offer. And we gathered in a circle and prayed, if it's not your will, don't let it happen. And it didn't happen. And I'm praying that again today, Lord. Whatever your divine will is, that's all I want to happen. And you just guide us and direct us. I know you're encouraged and challenged today. And in just a moment, we're going to take uh, an offering for Al and Laura. You can just, if you're giving cash, that's fine. Uh, if you're writing a check, write Christ Chapel and then put Al and Laura on the bottom left. And Josh, if y'all could count that for me before, because they're getting on the road and going from here. And after the offering, we're just going to pray for them. Is that okay? Is that okay this morning? So music plays, and if you want to sow into Alan Lars' ministry, you just come and give this morning. our elders will come as well as those that you're friends with Al and Laura or if you just feel like you want to pray for them as a couple I want y'all to stay around the front and we're going to pray for them this morning and Jason at the very end if you'll close in prayer for me Miss Laura will you come down here as well
Chris, will you take this to the back for us? All right, guys, if y'all will come and just surround them. And church family, right before you go, would you do this with us from your heart? Just place your hand this way and pray for Al and Laura and Christ Chapel, Maine and their ministry. often talk about our walk as a, a marathon and not a sprint but there's times in every marathon where you double down and you run harder and when the finish line is coming you double down and you run harder and you hit that home stretch and the evening is coming where we won't be able to work for others anymore and he's issued a challenge along with encouragement that we give our lives for others and we just want to pray for him this morning and then you'll be dismissed Father God, we lift Laura and Al up to you, God. We pray for strength and encouragement, Lord. We pray that you bring those into their path that you have planned and predestined for them to share your word, your hope, your redemption with, Father. We pray for uh, fertile grounds in Maine, Lord. We pray for those in this church body that have felt challenged by this message to to be strengthened, encouraged, and emboldened to run harder for you, Father God, and, and to pour our life out for others, Lord. May we never lose sight that you're first and that our mission is to bring you to others, Father. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this body and this time together, Lord. As we go forth, God, challenge us, stir in us, present the opportunities for us to bring you to the others. We love you so much, Father. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a blessed Lord's Day.